Oh, hey, welcome to How Creatives Work, the down-to-earth podcast for conversations about what creative work really is and how to tend to your well-being as a creator. We have reached episode number one. Can you believe it? My name is Anders, and I'm a freelancing visual designer based in Amsterdam, and I'm really interested in the topic of working and how to do it sustainably and mindfully. So I'm uh, having chats with guests about it. This first one is a conversation with my fellow Amsterdam creative, Lena Tang, and I'm not gonna lie, it's a really good conversation. And before we jump in, I just want to say that I will put any links to things we mention in the show notes, so please do check those out. And other than that, just enjoy. I was going to do a bit of a rude thing and sort of ask you to introduce yourself and what you're doing. I don't think it's rude at all. I mean, it's more scary. Um, so my name is Lena. Um, I'm originally from Australia. Um, and now I live here in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. And I work as a visual artist. I have a, a studio space, a shop space, a workshop space that's all combined into one. It's called Pansy. Um, and yeah, I, I look after the space, I run it, I come up with different kinds of events and ideas. And yeah, that's that's sort of what I do in a nutshell. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a super cozy, cool space. And you've just made, or just I guess it's just recently that you've made the move into a bigger space as well. Yeah, it feels recent. I think it's maybe seven months now since I've had the keys. Yeah. Wow. Do you yeah. feel settled into big pansy yeah a little bit more settled in now and I feel like it's never ending I always want changes to happen I always want it to be better and cuter and more colorful so yes and no I guess yeah yeah do you feel like you tend to want that variation even if it's not the space I'm just thinking that like with with the work you do and so on it it is there's constantly new stuff and so on is that yeah. your your personality yeah I think or maybe there's a yeah maybe my personality but also a common thing for creatives like a, an urge to explore and grow and change in, in different iterations so yeah I think yeah outside of the physical space it definitely yeah. reflects my own personal work and what I try to do in my life yeah yeah I was considering this ahead of our chat as well and I think I I wrote you ahead a little bit that I might ask this because I think it's a good question but like how when in your life and what was the path sort of to discover that creativity was what you wanted to sort of do and have as as what you do for a job and a living yeah I mean I think a lot of creativity stems from childhood and I think it's it's really a, a common thread through a lot of creative people that you talk to and I think often as children we're really encouraged to be creative and paint and draw and of course I was really drawn to it and I have um, refugee parents who of course like would have loved if I became a doctor or an engineer or you know did something a yeah. little bit more um uh, financially stable but I think um, yeah I think it was really during school like during our formal education when we're learning to figure out 
who we want to be and what we want to do. And I think I was just really quick to understand that I wasn't good at math or (laughs) writing or any of those sort of traditional academic ways of learning. I think I I struggled quite um, a lot with it. And I think I was a good student and I was good at, um, like, I was good at being good. But I also... I I felt like maybe I, because my parents also put me into this really like fancy private school, which I'm really thankful for. And they worked their asses off to like pay for this like very expensive school. But I think at the same time, I felt really restricted. And I think as most teenagers do, you kind of feel this like rebellion when someone (laughs) tells you, you have to be this way and you have to do this. And I was really like trying to push the boundaries a little bit. And for me, that was pursuing something a little bit more creative and um I guess I, I found it really interesting because in an art class of course it's you know they teach you how to paint and things like that but we were quite lucky in our high school that our curriculum was a little bit more conceptual as well so we mm. were really learned about art movements and why these things happened in history and understanding like the artist's role in society and why yeah, why we exist and why we do what we do. And I think that questioning really made me think differently about what I wanted to pursue in my life later in years. And I think maybe it was like a few moments um, when I was like 14 or 15, I had a really great art teacher and she really believed in me and was like, yeah, this is art. And I think that's something that's really um, reaffirming, like for someone else to say like, yeah, you're making art or that is really creative. Yeah. Really you can pursue it and having that support and I think from a really young age like thinking yeah I can do that um was a really lovely thing to have so yeah really from like high school I think yeah it just sounds so great to have someone who also makes art sort of available to you I I don't think I had that experience where someone was like you can actually do that like this is what you can and it's weird because Exactly. And especially in a context like that very fancy school, um, of course, like everyone got really good grades and we, you know, most of my peers went to like university and did very, (laughs) in my opinion, like very fancy things like they studied law or they did. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm like, did anyone go to art school? Maybe I just went to art school. Um, but yeah, having that. But then I also had a few other art teachers who were really mean to me and really yeah. like poo pooing. Remember crying under the tables in art class and really struggling with that too. And I think it was a bit of a an identity crisis because I was so quickly tying myself or like putting myself into the category of of an artist and a creative, and that really pushed me out of a lot of other things like biology or um, maths or chemistry, which I think are really interesting now as an adult, but I feel like maybe I was too quick to be like boxed into like, I'm creative. I don't know. I don't do maths. Mm. I mean, I am really bad at maths. So So it is true, but yeah. And then, so, so you went to art school then after. um... Right after. Yeah. And my parents, of course, they were like, just go to university. We'll be happy if you just go to uni. And so I went to a university that had an art school. Mm, yeah. Um, and I, I think I did look around and I think I was quite, um, what's the word? Like maybe quite proactive as a as a 17 year old who has to make decisions at that age about their career. Yeah. I find it yeah. really bamboozling that people are sort of forced to choose one path. Yeah. So, 
like it really bothers me but yeah I think I was quite I knew what I wanted and so then I looked into a few different art schools that were available in my city um and just picked the one that sounded the most interesting or had the most hands-on practice because I also knew that art does involve a lot of theory and critical thinking and art history which (laughs) maybe weren't so much my forte and so in like in hindsight I probably should have gone to more of like a technical school if that was what I was looking for but I was really pushed to go into higher level education which is university yeah Um, yeah Yeah, but I mean it's uh I I think it just I actually got this advice when I was applying for art school to Mm -hmm. by by someone who had gone to maybe more of the academic route of getting to creativity as a career and Mm. I was choosing between these two schools and this person was just like go to the one that has more like studio time and hands-on like you can you can read up on all this other stuff (laughs) later so I mean of course I also I went to college in the U.S. so it was still uh, academic and Mm. there were all these different classes and all that but I I mean if there's anything I wish I had made more time for its studio time but so I'm guessing just uh, jumping back a little bit to choosing mm. your track as a 17 year old. Uh, this is just a mini question, but how is Australia with gap years after high school? Yeah, I mean, I think they're actually quite common. Yeah, I think a lot of people do take them. And I think if you have the privilege and the financial means to do it a lot of people do go traveling and go backpacking through Europe like that's yeah. quite a common one um and honestly like I think if you can do them I think they're so beneficial to just like opening your eyes up to the world because I think at that point you're just like in the education system yeah yeah you're going straight into higher level education which really requires a lot of like And especially if you're doing something like making art where you're reflecting on yourself and your views and what your opinions are. When I was in the first year of art school, I was like, I don't know what I should make art about. I was making art about like cats and rabbits and like boys. Like it was just stuff that I felt like I wasn't very worldly at that point. And if I had taken time to work some jobs or see the world or meet new people, I think my art would have been much more grounded like I find we have quite a few mature age students and they always had such interesting stories and perspectives and they were exploring maybe a lot more vigorously what what an art practice could do yeah and I think for me and a lot of other younger students we were sort of just like floundering and trying to we were learning a lot about contemporary art but then also looking at the history and then you're sort of in this like point where you're like well what do I do you know yeah you know like it's quite common that you see a lot of bad um art from (laughs) from art schools and I think yeah it's interesting you brought up a gap year because I think maybe gap year gap five years gap 10 years I think if I did if I went back to art school now I would make much better art (laughs) yeah I've thought about this too well so I did two and a half gap years after high school but that was not because I really had the means to do that I was just like I am tired of school which I never thought I would say because I think similarly to you I was I was sort of like good at being good and I like did well in school but then at the end of high school I was just like I can't go to a classroom um and then I just worked retail for two and a half years and after that I was like okay I'm ready 
now I want to go to art school and become a designer. But I still think I made pretty bad art in art classes. <laughs> and I was just thinking too that I was working in this office at mm. my college and we were sitting, we had like this window out into the hallway outside and they would always do little like mini art shows from the students there. Yeah. And there was this one time where there were just like, there were so many dicks on the wall, so much nudity and so on. And my coworker who was only a few years older than me, she was like, oh yeah, it's a first year student show. They need to get that out of their system. I'm just like, it's so yeah. funny. I also, it's so funny that it's so universal because I yeah. also made a lot of dick work. Yeah. In yeah. art school. And I think everyone just has to like get it out of their system. Yeah. And I definitely don't think, I mean, <laughs> absolutely no shame in that and keep doing it. Uh, totally. But it's funny that it's a theme. <laughs> did, you, did you make a lot of dick work? Um, Not, maybe not really. I, I think a lot of my my early work now, but uh, was kind of like I it accidentally became a little phallic or something, but it wasn't it wasn't like now I'm gonna make this. it was subconsciously phallic. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I I mean when I started because I went to an art program in high school too, and I was embarrassingly enough like my whole vibe was like I'm gonna draw manga. That was my thing when I was a teenager. So like there was a lot of just like cartoony sort of getting into that, um, which I've left behind, sort of, but I thought I would be a comic artist and then that didn't happen anyway. And do you think, like, because when you talked about the gap year, that that really affected your work? Do you think you had, like, a bit of a different perspective going into into school? Yeah, I mean, in a way, it affected it too because I, I was sort of thinking at the end of high school, like, I either want to do fine art or I want to do graphic design. Mm -hmm. And mm. taking that time off and working retail, I I worked at this Swedish underwear brand. And I was just like, honestly, I would rather like make these patterns that are on this underwear than sell it. And that's how I was just like, that's graphic design in a way. I mean, you can also make patterns as a fine artist, of course. Yeah. Um, but that's how I decided that like, okay, now I'm going to mm. do graphic design. It was very decisive that that's like how I was going to, what I was going to do. But yeah. I don't know if anyone knows what graphic design is when they start studying that. I not at all, and I think also for fine art, like yeah, really, isn't you don't really know career wise what what's gonna happen. It's all right. a little bit like it's yeah. super. It's super cool. I mean, uh, we're sitting here talking about like working as a creative, and I don't think I don't know if you imagined that you would be running a creative space and shop in Amsterdam when you were going to art school? Not at all. Not at all. And I think what you were touching on earlier about just being exposed to the possibilities of different creatives, I think, yeah, you don't really learn about the different types of jobs that you can have or ways that you can work for yourself as a creative. And every now and then I get invited to go to schools and do talks in Australia. I did a few things. I think that's so great and so beneficial. Any chance that I have to work with like children or work with kids or students, yeah. like I always say yes, because I think I would have loved that as a, as a young creative person to see that someone else who, I mean, especially someone who looks like me, um, can be their own boss or do something creative and make money. And not that I'm making a lot of money, but just being able to find a way that isn't um, 
what your parents told you about being creative, which is like, you're not going to make money, you're going to be poor, you're going to be like struggling and have to have a side job. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things at all. But I think shifting what the perspective of what a creative can do and what we can be is really important and I think hopefully now it feels like a lot more possible for the younger generation especially with social media and how how much we can share about our work and our life I think maybe it's really different nowadays I hope it's different uh and that's uh super nice that you're mentioning social media because you have a very active presence Mm -hmm. on on Instagram and you're very open about, you know, what what the ups and downs of running a business is and what's happening. Um, how did you come into having sort of that role of sharing yeah. the yeah, everyday? I mean, it, totally. I mean, in the short form, like the pandemic really changed the way that I use social media. You'll notice if you even just scroll through to like 2020, like I never posted pictures of myself or did stories or anything like that, but I... I think because it coincided that the start of the pandemic coincided with the beginning of me having pansy and I suddenly was like oh shit like how do I run a business how do I have a physical space in a city that I'm not from and I don't have a network and I suddenly am thrown into the deep end of having to jump online which is actually the opposite of what I wanted because I wanted to have a physical space I wanted to be offline I wanted to have people come into my space and have an experience in person um so yeah it's like really important to me having those connections one-to-one but then yeah with the pandemic suddenly we were all at home and I had to find ways to share um what I was doing and so it it became a lot more personal and I think yeah what I was saying before about not seeing that when I was younger I'm really hoping that what I do now day to day is like sharing my life and me like opening the kiln or just the really mundane parts of um, running the business I think just showing people that there's so much more than just like a beautiful space there's a lot of behind the scenes there's a lot of cleaning there's a lot of administration Um, but then also hoping that it can maybe give a little glimpse into like the, the the like possibility of of what it is to run a business like this and maybe yeah like sharing that and showing that it's it's doable maybe yeah. in a way yeah um I think it's like opening the behind the scenes a little bit more and I think yeah. it's important I think for me it's it's also really fascinating and I love watching other people's stories when they're doing like days of life or things like that just to really understand what what artists do and what what a day looks like for them yeah no that's great I I truly love it and I honestly think sometimes I prefer the like behind the scenes or Mm -hmm. sketches of something or whatever to the like super polished final thing maybe that's just moving with the times a little bit too people are more interested in in knowing Mm -hmm. a little more but I do think that what you're saying um about showing that it's possible I really think that is happening with Mm. with showing everything like this that Mm. I would have loved to have that when I was like studying graphic design because you don't know anything you don't really know what to avoid or what to really look for or what kind of people Mm. to try to work with I mean um you're you've had this um journey shall we say of speaking to landlords for having a physical space (laughs) and just knowing about that 
that they yeah. don't tell you that in art school where they're no, like no, no. you might spend months trying to convince people that you should have yeah. a space or yeah <laughs> and I think like so much of being a, a an independent creative is like fighting for yourself and advocating and being strong and believing in yourself and even if you don't like having to like fight through that and be like yeah this is important and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing and another part of me sharing so much about my world as well is that I think it's important when people see like me like my just like this this (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's also I hope relationship building and just being able because a lot of people come into my shop and they're like oh I follow you on Instagram I feel like I know you and that's exactly what I'm trying to do as well as building these relationships with people from far away and then also hopefully like it's it's adding value for them to understand how much time it takes for me to like make say for example a wall vase or a piece of ceramic I think as like creatives, we're also battling with like the the whole rest of the world where there's so much like mass produced things or yeah. things that are made so quickly. And um, I don't know, like big companies with a lot of money who can produce big campaigns and like big everything. And I feel like often I'm just this like one person thing. And I feel like through sharing so much of my my life and my day-to-day and my process that hopefully it makes people love that and I think I mean you love printmaking so you love process-based <laughs> ways yeah. of making art. you could just like digitally print something and think that's really important when you do love the process then it's like you have to share and celebrate the process yeah. otherwise what's the point of doing the process you know and I feel <laughs> yeah. like this whole thing that I'm doing with Pansy it's really about the process of like running the business and being in it and being in the shop and having the conversations and it's so much more than just the outcome which I think is like that sort of front beautiful shop and so it's it's everything involved in having that yeah oh it's beautiful it's wonderful oh my god yeah no (laughs) where did that come from (laughs) I think yeah I think there's a lot to be said about process and I think yeah yeah process-based ways of making because I also come from a print background and coming into ceramics it, I really um appreciate the the process of like you know you never know what's going to happen until you kind of lift right. the paper up or you open the kiln and then you get your final thing but it's everything in the lead up to that which makes it really precious and exciting and um beautiful and what was the start in ceramics for you how did you come into that Yeah, I've always wanted to do ceramics, actually. So when I went into art school at 17, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a sculptor. I'm going to be a painter. I'm going to like work with my hands. Um, And so for me, working with my hands is really like the like the genesis of like my art practice. Like I always feel like I need to be touching stuff. Um, and then going into art school, I think that year that I went in, they asked the ceramics department, which was very tragic. And I was like, no, oh, I yeah. to make clay. Um, but in that first year, they sort of take you through the, the range of like um, print and photography and drawing and sculpture and painting. And so then you sort of try like, I think, six or 12 weeks of each medium to really get a good sense of what yeah. you're drawing to. And I actually went into print thinking like, oh, I don't want to make flat things. Like I don't care about paper. Like I really just like 
I want to make like 3D stuff. And then I remember like the first lesson, like going into the printmaking studio and being like, whoa, what is this? We had this like huge etching press and like, what are they called? Like the, it's been such a long time, like the big rollers for like doing um, liner, letter press and you know, we just, there was just so much in that studio and it looked like something out of olden days, you know, yeah. and I think if once I really understood what the possibilities of print is and print as like an expanded medium and print as a performative medium, like that just like made me fall head over heels in love with printmaking. And I ended up majoring in printmaking. Wow. All right. Um, and some of my other studio units, I would then try and explore ceramics and flowers alongside like my love for print so yeah yeah I think sort of the yeah it was sort of like my second love but then I it became my my world (laughs) yeah wow oh yeah and then ceramics so I would I did like I remember doing a project in second year where I was just trying to teach myself ceramics I felt so frustrated that the art school had dropped the um the craft and so then I would like work for other studios I'd work for other artists I'd try to go to the back of sculpture and kick a wheel and yeah I think I formed a whole project about my frustration about not being able to do ceramics and also I don't know why I feel like everyone always says no to me I feel like I'm like I have all these dreams there's all these things I want to do and then I'd always get these like grumpy old men telling me like no you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't learn about resin and you can't round your corners and blah, blah. Mm, yeah. and so then I think it really like put the fire in my stomach to like really want it more and it wasn't until I really moved to the Netherlands that I really like was like okay now it's time to have a bit more of a better understanding I had more of a very general understanding of ceramic and I taught a few workshops with kids but never got to load my own kiln or reclaim my own clay so more of the technical stuff came once I moved here all right my next question that I have yes. for you is uh, I want to do a little segment on this podcast to kind of mm. uh, put people in on the spot. No, um, but I want to, since this is a podcast about working creatively, mm. I wanted to do the exercise of start, stop, continue. Mm. So I'm going to ask you first, from the perspective of your creative business, what would you like to start doing? or do more of do more of yeah I mean there's something I've always wanted and like pansy really brings together all of my desires of what brings me like a lot of joy which is bringing people together which obviously I haven't been able to do in the last two years so I think that's really high at the top of my list and Obviously, bringing people into my shop is really nice, but I think for me, it's really exciting to be able to organize events or do exhibitions or work with different people in different ways, um, do like themed weeks. And so that's really at the the top of my list is creating, I guess, creating experiences or creating creative ways for people to be in my space and for me to facilitate, yeah, like connections or friendships or things like that I think that's that's the top yeah that feels like it feeds into that idea of what you were saying earlier too about you know doing new stuff and wanting to like try different things and sort of always expanding what you're doing yeah and it is a cool space to imagine 
Yeah, I think so. and I, I just want it to be like known and loved for that. I think I really want Pansy to be like, oh yeah, there's always interesting things going on, right? Let's see what's happening there, and yeah, for it to be like a dynamic space. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I think it is already. Thanks. Like you're on your way. You're you're there, and you. I mean, of course, things can always grow and expand, but I mean, it is a it is a space that people love. Thank you. I mean, I love going by. <laughs> my office is fairly close to Pansy, so yeah, sometimes I just take my little bike and yeah, get a little vibe. I think you said once that people just come by sometimes to spend time in the space. Randomly. Yeah, people know. come in and have a chat. Like I have customers as well that just like come in and have a yarn. And I love that. I mean, some days I'm like, I just want to get stuff done. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, most of the time it's really lovely. And I, I hope that people feel welcome and they feel yeah like it's a welcoming space I think that's yeah important. so what would you say you want to continue doing that can be something like that what you feel you're doing well and should mm-hmm. keep up yeah it's interesting because I don't know if you feel like this but I never feel like I'm doing well I feel like I'm in an con- and maybe it's also because of the pandemic I feel constantly like <gasps> I'm not doing I'm not doing this enough and it's also of course a capitalist thing yeah. for me like yeah. I need to make more money I need to do this and so I I never feel satisfied or like I'm like content with any of the work I do I always feel like it should be better and I should be like doing more of this and so um what am I doing well Oh, something that was really important to me, and I think maybe this is interesting for other creatives, is when I started Pansy, and I know I know myself, I know my work ethic, I could just work, I don't know, 20 hours a day. I don't know, I don't know how many days, hours we are awake, but like, I feel like I could work the whole day and not stop. I'd just be in my studio and I'm just like working towards things. But I think what was really important for me this is like 2020 was like making sure that I have time to like be with my friends and like always say yes to a drink or if people invite me to do things that I'm always available and I I don't want to be the kind of creative or the business owner or the artist who's like no I just want to work in my studio or no I'm working on a thing and I have a deadline and of course there's times where that happens but I think it's really important for me to maintain like my social life and to cherish my friendships and to reach out to people and it's not that I'm perfect at it at all but I think I'm really trying to prioritize to like do things on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night like tonight I'm gonna go see stand-up at um Boom Chicago and I think oh it might be really terrifying but yeah I just think like making time to do that and I think that's something I really want to continue and and make sure I have the energy for and that's something I don't really have an answer for, like how to maintain all of those things. I don't think there's a magical answer at That's all. That's a pretty proactive thing and like a, an experiment, I think, sometimes to kind of see how that works out for you. Yeah. I mean, I have periods where it's super easy and I'm just like, I go do things or I like decide that I need to play video games instead of trying to be creative um, and making the space for those things in life kind of does what the gap year can do for people too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in order for me as a graphic designer, I always feel like there, there to have a relevance to my work. I mm-hmm. also need to live like 
I need to be the audience also sometimes. Yeah. I can't just be the creator. Yeah, you have to be like self-reflexive and you have to be interested to be interesting. And I think yeah. it's, yeah, I think it's so easy to forget that. I mean, maybe not. Maybe maybe other people are like, what she's talking about? But I think it's so easy to be in my own world and yeah. like to be in my own bubble and only make things that I think are nice and cute but then to be out in the world and be around different people or go to like exhibitions and go to yeah shows. I think it's so important to recharge and like be energized by other things and I say this but like some weeks like yeah I don't go out of the out of my world or I just like go between here and my apartment and yeah yeah like it feels heavy when I don't do things that are outside my world yeah and I think, I mean, I think it has to be allowed to go in waves sometimes, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's really healthy to have that perspective of like, this is something that I want to prioritize and this is important. I was thinking also, I was going to therapy last year and one of my complaints, or like when I was talking to my therapist, I was like, it's too easy for me to get into the flow. And he was yeah. like, okay, this is not, this is not <laughs> a problem that everyone has. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a great problem. (laughs) Yeah, but I like open my computer in the morning and then I come to at two o'clock and I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten something in six hours. So maybe like that's not healthy. So, I mean, that doesn't really happen anymore. Putting checks and balances in place to to avoid that. But I mean, what did your therapist suggest you do? Um, well, I was working with like cognitive behavioral therapy. So a lot of just noticing when something is happening and sort of enforcing breaks too. So like I even put in my calendar now break. So then I get a notification that's like, go pet your dog. (laughs) (laughs) I realized I asked you in the wrong order here. It's start, stop, continue, but I've asked you start and continue. So, well, yeah, well, We'll continue with a more bummer note, but uh, is there anything uh, like in business, in self-employment, in creativity that you feel like you would like to stop doing? Um, I think especially because Pansy has only really existed during the pandemic. Like, I feel like I've just been in a constant state of like, go, go, go. And like constantly yeah. like chasing the next thing or improving. And I think there needs to be a point in in my practice and in my life where I can be like it's running at a good pace Alina like you don't need to be constantly pushing yourself and I know I've yeah there's been a few points in the last maybe a few months where I've really felt like my body is telling me like whoa like you just haven't stopped and you know like with the renovation of the space like I worked for two months straight and I still had like other space and I was sort of managing two shops and yeah really like listening to my body and making sure that I I don't overwork my body because there's only like one body and like now I feel great and I'm fine and I have energy but then as soon as something goes wrong or as soon as I feel sick then you know my whole world relies on this yeah we're so quick to like overwork ourselves and and I say this knowing that I I don't it's always easier than done but yeah just really like taking care of myself and taking care of my body and like my mental health as well like making sure that I feel stimulated and energized and like replenished and like fulfilled in all the right ways I think oh but this is like continue yeah stop overworking and stop feeling like I need to like I don't know 
like beat everything. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure. I feel like I There's... put so much pressure on myself. And I think that's that is a unique um problem for I was gonna say self-employed people, but honestly mm. also creatives because the yeah. work is so much you. Mm. And uh with a business, it's your idea, with illustration, with ceramics, with uh design, it's yeah. your craft. Um mm. and so working gets personal. So I mean, one of the reasons I like this subject of talking about how we work is because I had a little, a little, a run in with the burnout um, Mm. a few years ago. And that was when I just sort of realized that like, I can't just keep working and I can't put the pressure on myself to always be present or always, you know, back then I was working eight hours a day Mm. at a desk in an office. And I'm just like, that doesn't work for me that I can't Mm. creatively continue be both like stimulated and also keep up that energy for mm. in front of a screen eight hours what yeah. like yeah. and that was also I mean my body was like hey I'm gonna be shaking and you're gonna have memory loss and you're gonna want to cry at all times mm. during the day and I'm just mm. like I, that's never been me what's yeah. what's up so like listening to the and body did it take getting to that point before you were like whoa what's happening or did you feel like there were little signs I mean, I guess I should have known that there were little signs, but Mm -hmm. so often I thought it was really easy to be like, yes, but next week it's going to be more relaxed or like Mm -hmm. whatever, like I will have vacation in three months, (laughs) you're like Mm -hmm. pushing. So I think for me, unfortunately, I needed to get to that brink. Um, I I don't like to say that I had burnout, but the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, that is actually what happened. And I, thankfully I was living in Sweden and I had good care available and I was able to, you know, be on sick leave for a while. But it was after that, I was like, I can't, once, once you hit that spot too, you can't really, Mm -hmm. you don't have the same capacity, even still, I'm much Mm -hmm. more sensitive to like, I can't really have two really stressful days in a row. Then I'm going to need to like take time off so unfortunately I mean the price for having pushed too far can be pretty high and pretty long lasting Um, Mm -hmm. but also at the same time I'm like grateful that that happened to me because now I'm like in tune with that and Mm -hmm. at least for myself and what I'm trying to get better at is maybe noticing for people near me and so on and just kind (laughs) of be bold enough to say like you need to take a little break uh, that's really really um sweet and like so nice that you feel like from that experience that you had that you feel like you can look out for other people and I think the people who are close to me are constantly telling me like Lena take a break Lena like well my boyfriend of course who like sees my day-to-day yeah yeah and I think multiple people people have told me that but I think I really struggle Yeah, I think maybe it's a common struggle as well. And especially during lockdowns where we're like, everyone has to not do anything. Like we can't go out, we can't do anything. And then the urge to be like, well, I should do something productive. And so then there's that scramble and I feel, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about it. I think because I haven't processed my feelings. Like I know this stuff. Like I'm like, I know I should take a break. I know we all need holidays. But then I'm like, yeah, but I can do that. I can still keep going. Like I have the energy and I feel really conflicted because I'm like, I don't want to be part of this like constant like go go like the hustler. Yeah. yeah. 
culture. But then I really, sometimes I'm scared to perpetuate that because I have this business that is like entirely me. And like, actually I have this interesting um, manifesto. It's like principles for prototyping a feminist business. Um, And it's really about like having your body and being connected with your body and redefining success and happiness. And yeah, I feel- This sounds amazing. Yeah. And I also feel like there's so, the reason I'm like pushing so hard for a pansy and like the way that I work is because I also feel like I really want to change what business means or what it is. Mm. And I want to change what retail is. And I like, I want to make a dent in the world and I want to make a dent in Amsterdam in particular, because I'm here, like more localized community. And so I feel like I don't want to stop. Yeah. And not not that taking a break is stopping, but I think I just no, but I I know what you're saying. It's that like it is a drive and so on. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, and literally, I read books about like how to take breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna yeah, I have a great book that you might be interested in. And I one of the one of the things that book said was like save some energy for your time off. And I'm just like, yeah, that's that is so interesting. <laughs> yes. That's sort of what you were saying, where you're like, yeah. I have the energy, I'm I'm capable, I can do this, so I don't yeah. need to take the breaks. I'm yeah. definitely the same way, and then I don't have any energy for Yes, and when I have stuff. like my day off, which is Monday, and then I'm in bed all day, and it's like my body, like I've used up all my energy. So yeah. on my day off, I'm just like on my bed, and I have a headache all day. And so I think really for me, it's like a hundred, like two hundred percent, or like zero. Yeah, and I think like days off or having days to like replenish so you need a little bit of energy to like go out and like see a museum or like even just getting out of bed yeah if I'm going to like to pansy then I'm like let's go Uh but then I'm like having a day off and I'm not doing anything then I'm like pooped yeah it's it's weird to have to kind of learn the skill of doing the stuff I mean that you kind of took for granted as a kid I'm sure like going outside or just like calling up a friend or reading a book it's interesting to realize that that gets lost because we learn that we're here Mm -hmm. to work yeah and I I feel like I have so much to say about work and like our like work ethic and also I think because both my parents were refugees like I seeing their way of working and then inheriting that like work ethic and that like yeah. sense of like scarcity and like that sense of like we need money like that was such a big thing and then yeah like growing up and now I have like a lot of privilege and I have like a little bit of savings like that really changes the way that I approach running my business but then yeah. also I think there's a lot of stuff inherently in me that's like well I need to make more money I need to like constantly be like working and if I take a day off then I'm like not working on my business and I you know that could all spiral downwards and I think maybe a lot of people have those feelings as well like that scarcity mindset or not not feeling like it's okay to rest yeah yeah it's it's so hard I mean I try to remind myself that resting actually also will make me more productive later for the work I need to do absolutely yeah yeah and I think it's also normalizing that as well and yeah 
Yeah. There's a great Instagram account called The Nap Ministry and Ooh. I think she's about to release a book, but it's really about rest as like resistance and rest as power and I'm really trying to like <laughs> absorb that because I yeah, think I need it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say thank you so much for like your time. That. So nice to have a chat. I'm very excited to put this out into the world. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and like allowing me the space to like share my story. I always feel find it such a privilege for me to be able to like talk openly about my work and for other people to be interested and yeah, chat with me about it. It's it's really special. So thank you. It's an honor. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between me and Lena. Don't forget to follow her on Instagram at hello, it's Pansy, and all the links are in the show notes. Just go check it out. You'll find me and updates about the podcast at Anders Creative on Instagram, also in the show notes. For now, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and rate us as highly as you possibly can wherever you're listening. It helps so very much. Keep a lookout for the next episode that's coming out soon. And until next time, take care.